Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member CPA to IB shares his path from a state school into audit at one of the big four. Find out what piqued his interest in investment banking in the buy side and how he navigated over to transaction advisory services as an intermediate step to his end goal. Learn about pay ranges at each of these stages and what's in store for him next. Enjoy. All right, CPA to IB, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it'd be great if you give the listeners a short summary of your background. Sure. So I started my career in public accounting, passed my CPA exam, and moved to transaction services role, advising private equity and strategic clients. And then I had the opportunity to join an investment bank. And how, and so like in terms of, um, the timing, so you, you graduated and then you were working in audit for how long? Two years. Is that right? Yeah. So I graduated from a state university Mm -hmm. and then I worked in public accounting for about two and a half years. Yep. Then once I passed my CPA exam, worked in transaction services for three and a half years and I've currently been at an investment bank for almost two years. Got it. And do you join the investment bank as an analyst, as an associate after all that experience? I joined as an associate. Got it. Okay. As a senior, a senior associate. So let's so kind of like that experience. So let's rewind back to kind of undergrad and you know, you're at a state school, you're, you're thinking accounting, probably a, a good, a good degree, a safe degree, right? You're going to be able to get hired. And tell me a little bit about like the on-campus recruiting or the, the culture there at the state school. Was there any sort of exposure to investment banking or private equity or any of that? Or when did you kind of first start kind of thinking of making this this pivot? Yes, that's a great question. So as an accounting major in undergrad, I felt that the, the set path was public accounting, mostly mm-hmm. the big four, maybe a national firm. And then... You know, I think the the interest in moving into a transaction role started after I audited a venture capital company. Mm-hmm. And tell, tell but me, there was really no exposure to investment banking or private equity of straight CPA, public accounting. Had you heard about it like, before like, when you were an undergrad? Interesting. Like, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and because most of our courses, it was just. Um, you know, auditing, 
intermediate accounting, cost accounting. It was strictly accounting classes, I guess, maybe in the electives that I chose. I, I probably didn't choose, you know, the those electives mm-hmm. that were offered. I mean, there was, you know, financial statement analysis that might have covered that area. But I think really if I, you know, you can really learn about what's truly out there if you, you know, do a lot of reading, reading the Wall Street Journal um, or other um, magazines or um, and did you that. did you just not do that or you just were kind of you were kind of gun ho on, on the accounting path and you felt like hey this is a good path or was it something you kind of just yeah fell very into? very gun ho um, you know it was a very conservative route um, yeah you know, the job market for public accounting is, is it, they always need auditors right especially with Sarbanes Oxley and the strict regulation um, so, so that's really why I chose that path got it okay so you're you kind of have the set path you um, in the, in the interview process was it like on campus recruiting. I think your school has a pretty good feeder into the big four, right? Into the accounting exactly. programs. So like, so there's all the big four come on campus, even all the regional firms, national firms. Was it pretty easy to get the accounting job? Like, would you say that the people who apply at your school, is it like a 30% acceptance rate, 50%? What would you say? Like how many people that are like that want it really get it? Yeah, I think if it starts off with having a great GPA. Mm-hmm. If you have a GPA that's above three six, three seven, that's certainly a ticket to an interview. Yep. I, th- I think if you have great social skills, uh, very personable, hardworking, that'll secure an internship. Yep. And then once you have the internship, if you perform well, hardworking, always willing to help, um, and developing great relationships, you know that will definitely serve you well when you're trying to secure a full-time offer. So we'd say like 30% or 50% of people make it through that whole path or around there? Like, yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. Is intern to, to full-time offer rate? I know at banks it can vary widely, but typically it's pretty high. Is it pretty high for accounting as well? Like 80 to 90% yeah. or higher? Yes, because okay. the turnover at in public accounting is, is rather high. Yep. So they always feel that they always need to replenish the pipeline. So you're in public accounting. And I know the culture. <laughs> so you're in public accounting. You're kind of going through that first year. You're getting your feet wet, probably learning a lot, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, and you basically start auditing this VC, this VC firm. It was or a private equity firm. VC. It was a VC, a VC funds, and you start seeing kind of the types of deals they're working on, or how does it? What, what piques your interest? So I had to look at the funds portfolio companies mm-hmm. there are about 10 to 20 and we had to choose those that were more material in nature from a valuation standpoint mm-hmm. and we then sent that over to our transaction services group for purposes of you know, trying to determine the underlying value mm-hmm. of the portfolio company and i also had conversations with the associates over at the fund and they gave me a uh, 30,000 foot overview of their career and that as well helped kind of pique my interest in a more transaction setting. What do you think interested you the most about it? I think just working with the TS group and just really understanding the valuation techniques that were going into valuing these assets that really there's no public information behind and you can get really creative evaluation so you're you're in accounting 
you have a CPA that you're about, you're thinking getting the CPA at this point, or you're thinking, hmm, maybe I don't want to do this, or what's kind of pushing you to get the CPA? If you're thinking, I want to go this, you know, corporate finance, banking, right. buy side. Or- right. So I actually, I actually passed my CPA four months into the role that I had. Wow. I passed, I passed two parts in the summertime prior to my start date. Got it. I passed the next exam really within about a couple of weeks. And then the final part was in the fall. So I started in September. I was done in about November. Is that pretty typical or that seems pretty fast to me? Um, it, yeah, it's usually it takes about a year, but okay. I, I really worked very hard over the summertime because with starting with work, I felt that I was going to have a lot of my play just from learning. Yeah the basics techniques of the job and I wouldn't have much time to study, which is why I really pushed to get as many parts of the exam done with. So you, so you really, you need a CPA to, if you want to be a manager, right. At any accounting firm. If you want to get, if you want to advance, right. You need that CPA. It gives you more credibility. It gives you more credibility too in the industry. So you were putting in all that work, you got the CPA and then you're starting to do this audit on this VC fund and all of a sudden you're saying, wait a second, this seems really cool. I like this potential, um, you know, the valuation work, the transaction advisory services. So is that when you first started kind of learning more about buy side and investment banking and um, all this stuff? And did you start doing more research on your own or when did you kind of figure out, okay, I need to get to transaction advisory services to kind of make that next jump from audit? Yeah. So I, I felt that I wanted to get into investment banking, private equity, but realize it's very difficult to make that transition directly from audit. Mm-hmm. So I then said, you know, how can I leverage my accounting skills as well as be in a setting with private equity investment bankers? So that's why I chose transaction services. So I, I would say that we're thinking about it on a timeline. Investment banking would be point C. I'm in audit at point A. You know, where's right. that middle ground? Where's that point B? And that's where transaction services came into play. Do you feel like because you had a couple of years in audit and then you did a couple of years in transaction advisory services before getting to IB, do you feel like age is, is a problem or has been a problem when you're recruiting for IB? Like they didn't know how to deal with you because you were already, say, four or five years out of school? No, I think mostly what I've really leveraged is, is my network and relationships. Mm-hmm. And if you're personable, if you if, if you do good work, you know that that can be a huge selling point. So when I was on, I always tell people when I was in transaction services, every deal that I worked on, I met about five to six different people. Yep. You know, that that be investment bankers, that be in target company management, and what I did, I actually kept a, a running list of all the bankers I worked with. And there were some I liked, some I, you know, wasn't as fond of. So I would, you know, try and you know, stay in touch with those that, you know, I worked well with. And, you know, they were very instrumental as well to help me in the process. So you were kind of staying in touch with figured. all these bankers that you had been working with as you were doing TAS. But did you feel like once you started to, were you recruiting, I guess, as soon as you hit TAS and made that transition, we can talk about that in a little bit. Were you recruiting immediately for banking or like, did you say, Hey, I got to put my head down for a year. Like what was your thought on timing? Yeah, I want to, yeah. Good question. I wanted to learn just the, the process first. Yeah. So take about a year or two years, really understand the M and a process, understand 
what bankers do, understand the sin, mm-hmm. and then also understand our clients who are, you know, mostly private equity. Understand how they're coming up with their assumptions and their models. How is the LOI structured? So I like mostly just to really master your craft first, and then once you do that, then you can begin to look elsewhere what you're trying to do. So it sounds like you were there for at least a few years before you started kind of actively looking, but you were building up your network throughout? Exactly. Is that fair? I I always try to build up the network. Okay, so you're building up the network. How often are you reaching out to these people that like these bankers that you worked on like previous deals? Was it once every six months, once a year, once every, I don't know, a couple months? What, What was the frequency, would you say? I would say after after the deal was done, hopefully mm-hmm. it closed, yeah. I would probably reach out to the banker maybe a few months after just to, you know, keep in touch. You know, I would look at their website, look at a recent deal they were, were on and then you know, see if they were in the area, you know, see if I could grab a coffee with them. And also, too, because they may need sell side due diligence. They were going to take a company market. That was another reason why I also wanted to keep in touch. Just to help uh, generate business for your firm? That, yes. Got it. That as well. Okay. And so you're, you're reaching out to them a couple months later, but then are you, when are you, when does, when do those conversations pivot to being more about your own career? Is it a couple years in and, and then how do you actually even bring that up? Is it something where you just start asking more and more about the actual banking and can you tell me about like the recruiting process, like how many interviews you went into, what that was like? Yeah, I mean, I would probably say, you know, it, it when I would catch up with them, I'd say, look, if, if you know anybody looking, you know, I'm always looking, always ears, um, because you know, I would always try to display, you know, hard work, great work ethic when I was working on the other side from them. Um, so yeah. So, but did they? I mean, when did? I guess my question is, when did you start actually doing like full-on recruiting? for banking like were, were you just because i'm trying to figure out like you were getting promoted right in, in right. transaction advisory exactly. services and so like you could have con- theoretically continued to stay on eventually become you know from analyst to senior associate to vice president to you know eventually i guess it's manager or partner right right um, exactly so yeah. what i guess at what stage were you was it when you got like that second promotion was it before then that you started yeah. you know i guess yeah exactly no no good Good point. So I would say, one, I wanted a promotion first just mm-hmm. to show that. That shows progression. That shows attention to detail and ability to, you know, understand you know, what you're doing. Um, exhibit that. So I would say at the senior associate and then once I was promoted again, that's when I really tried to put a full court press on. And how, what, how did you do that? How did you do the full court press? Were you just immediately started, like hitting up all the contacts that you developed over those years, both at um, your, your initial auditing firm and then. The- yeah. Yeah. It was mostly the banks that I worked with in Taz, but I also had some other connections in the city. You know, I, even though I'd never worked with them when I was in Taz, I, I knew them from you know, playing sports growing up mm-hmm. um, through a sibling. And then, you know, maybe try and grab a coffee with them and they would connect me with someone else. And then that would lead to another connection. So it's really about just building the network. And how long was that? Yeah, how long was that process? Like, so from when you started, yeah, it, kind it of takes going... a while. Yeah, it definitely takes a while. I would say it probably takes about if I'm, you know, from meeting someone, 
and then maybe actually getting an interview. It takes a few months for sure. So, but how long did it take for you? So when you started the full core press and you started reaching out to all your contacts, when did you start um, landing interviews? Was it right away, like within a month? Um, or what, did it take several months to start landing those f- first round interviews? And then, yes, yeah. several months. Several months. And then, and it all depended. Sorry, I was just going to say, and were these for specifically, like, were you applying for anything from like experienced analysts through associate positions, or was it all like, no, I, I want to be at an associate because you've been working for so long? It was mostly experienced analysts to associate, but it was more just trying to get into one of these places because then once you're in, you have your stripes. Got it. Okay. So tell me about the interviews. Did you land, how many interviews did you land? Was it, you know, just a handful? I assume it's tough because it's all, it's kind of like all lateral, right? You're not in like a traditional recruiting process. Yeah. So I had about four interviews at four different places. Mm-hmm. I was given a full-time offer at two of them. Great. The other two, it just wasn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it was, it was great experience regardless of whether I was given an offer or not. And so most of the questions are pretty standard across the board. Did anything surprise you in, in these processes, like in terms of like the types of interviews they put you through, modeling tests, anything that kind of came out of left field on any of those ones, either the ones you got the offer from or from the ones you didn't? No, I think most, I, I think where I got burned on some of the, the areas were the uh, technical concepts because from TAS to IB, you're not doing LBO modeling as much. You're not doing DCS yeah. or too much modeling. Yeah. Where in, but I think I was actually, that only helped me because I, I knew what they were looking for. So then after at the interview, I, that's when I was, the learning would really kick in. Kind of going back to those questions where I knew that I tripped up. Got it. Got it. And so you started kind of with the practice and stuff like that. You started kind of going back, getting polishing up your technicals a little bit and then having more success. So would you say the right. the last kind of two in terms of timing, the first couple, you didn't make it through to like the final or you didn't get the offer, but then the last two you did. Is that how it worked out? Well, I, it's funny. The first interview I had, I actually got an offer. Okay. But they didn't really ask me too many technical questions. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got the job. I also think, too, a big part of getting an offer is whether the group really needs an individual. Or right. Body. Yeah. Uh, you know, because an MD, you know, their job is the source work. If they don't have people on the ground kind of crunching out the work and the models, you know, it, it's going to be tough. So that's a lot of the reason why I think I got, you know, that first offer was is they didn't really have any, any people. Right. They really needed bodies. <laughs> you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so basically, you're you're going through this, and so how did you? Why didn't you not? Why did you not take that first offer then? Um, when it came to you, you, just didn't feel like it was a good place to be, or I'm curious. Yeah, if, yeah. I did a lot of diligence after yep. I got the offer, mm-hmm. and I knew a lot of people left the firm, and I had a feeling that a few other MDs were on their way out, so I just felt it just wasn't going to be a good fit. And you knew this through just what finding people on LinkedIn, or just yeah, got it. And people were kind of yep. forthcoming about that. They said they got on the phone with you, or they just shot some emails back and forth with you. Um, it's funny. A, a couple got on the phone with me. A, a few others just sent me a note on LinkedIn. 
and say stay away. You need to, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Careful. Yeah, I've been surprised. A lot of people, I mean, including myself, I mean, are really open to speaking. You know, if, if you reach out, you know, I, I'm a big believer in it because, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to people and mm-hmm. always willing to pay it forward. Do you have a lot of people from your alma mater now as an alum reaching out to you I for do. advice? <laughs> I'm sure you I do. I do, yeah. I'm sure you do. Um, cool. Well, is there, um, I guess, do you mind talking a little bit about pay in terms of how it progressed from audit to transaction advisory services to, or tasks up to like an associate in banking? And I know you're at a boutique bank, so it's, it varies widely. And um, in terms yep. of just range, do you mind giving people kind of a sense of where how that's progressed for you? Sure. I mean, it's increased significantly. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, from TAS to banking, you're going to make over 100% of what you were originally making. I also mm-hmm. think, too, a lot of it depends on how the firm is doing. Yeah. In CAS, you have a more steady income stream, mm-hmm. whereas you know, in banking, a lot of your top is contingent, right? Got it. So, so would you is the variable. is the base in banking lower than the base in TAS? Um, I would say it's about the same, but you're where you really make your money is in your bonus. Right, on banking, yes. Yeah. So if the TAS, TAS, you get like a certain percent, whether it be 20, 30%, it varies by firm, but banking can be anywhere from 50 to 100. Got it. So like if I'm doing rough numbers, tell me if I'm accurate here. For like audit right out of school, you're probably looking at anywhere from 50 to 70 all in or higher. I'm sorry? For for just audit right out of school, right out of undergrad, and just tell, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm guessing between 50 and 70,000, like around 60,000 or 70,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good approximation. And then for TAS, as you go from like analyst associate to VP, analyst probably just a little bump from that, maybe seventy to eighty. Um, yes. And then senior associate, you're getting close to kind of a hundred all in, I'm guessing. Yes. Or, or and that, then that's fair, I think. and then VP maybe like one twenty five one one twenty five to one fifty. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. And so that's for TAS, and then for banking, obviously boutiques, it's all over the place, it's all over the map base would be probably around i don't know 100 would you say or 120 yes okay okay cool and then bonus is all over can again if the fund does a small small bank if they do well the bonus can be upwards of 100 percent of your base otherwise it could be very low is that fair right okay yes okay okay cool so just for um so that recruiting, you know, you're saying that the trend, the technicals, you kind of got better as you went along. You didn't take that first offer that came along. Then it sounds like a couple others didn't work out. And then finally you got the offer that you ended up taking. Tell me a little bit about that. What what made you think that this was the, a good place to be and what kind of made you kind of make that leap of faith? Yeah. Did you do that same I diligence? Like were, culture. You, were you talking to people? Culture. Yeah. I was. Uh-huh. Culture was, was very key to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as top-heavy in terms of MDs. A lot of associates, VPs running the operation. So tell me why that was important to you. Lifestyle? Yeah, lifestyle is important to me. Yeah, so you knew that. I I think there's a huge price on your time. Yeah, so you you knew that if it was super top-heavy with a ton of MDs and partners, you'd be getting worked, whereas, you know, a good pyramid structure could support... um, a couple strong MDs. Exactly. Got it. Yep. Totally agree. That's an important. That's a really important thing to take a look at. Is like how many? What's what does it look like? Is it like five MDs and 
one associate and one analyst. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't want to be the analyst in that seat. Um, right. Versus the other way around. So, um, great. So what's, what's next for you? Um, what's, what's the plan? Good question. Uh, you know, I thought of staying in banking. I thought of private equity. As long as I'm in a transaction setting, I think that's you know, where I see myself. I've also thought about being a, a CFO of a company looking to sell. I think there's a huge need for that. Mm-hmm. I learned that when I was in TAS. You know, the CFOs really didn't know what the company was re- or how, how the company really operated. Um, and I think that really um, prevented deals from getting done timely. So I think there's a huge need for that. Um, I think you know, Corp Dev is also a, another good avenue. Mm-hmm. I think I think there are many opportunities. I think once you have banking, you can do many different things with it. For sure, man. And so I think, if is there anything kind of looking back in, in your transitions from... I guess let's talk about go back really quickly and then um, I can let you run. But just the that initial jump from like um, audit to TAS, you also switched firms. Was it were you trying to stay in the same firm and stay in TAS in the same firm? Did you try that or did you feel like that was too hard of a leap? I thought it was very difficult because the potential for the group I was previously in needing me on an assignment. The, uh, the firm that I actually went to did not run in, into any independence issues. And I feel that these larger firms are more of an audit and tax firm, yep. where the firm that I went to was more valuation-driven, transaction-driven, and consulting-driven. Fair. We so had no ties to an audit or a tax department. Got it. So when you were kind of starting to look to make that jump to TAS you were really looking outside of the big four mostly. I was. Okay. Fair enough. And, and how did you kind of go about that? Did you contact recruiters? Did you start applying on job boards? I did. I actually applied on a job board Mm -hmm. and the MD reached out to me. It was an interesting situation because there was no senior associate VP director. I was reporting right to my MD and was learning directly from him. So my learning and getting up the learning curve, it was much quicker yeah. than working at a larger place where you had numerous individuals on the team. We had no shared service center, so I was processing everything. I really learned how to maneuver quickly in Excel, mm-hmm. which is very important for banking. And um, yeah, I was writing reports immediately. So I, I would argue I was probably after my first year as an analyst, I was doing manager level work. That's great. That's great. So it was a great experience. You had kind of not those tons of layers in between you and the MD, which is awesome. Exactly. A lot of. Ex- I mean, it was a phenomenal experience looking back on it. That, that I think I feel the TAS is where my career really took off. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, with the promotions and everything, too, um, that came along with that from gain, gaining that exposure and doing a great job for, for your MD. TAS, I think TAS, whether you're in TAS or whatever transaction setting you're in, you really have to know what you're doing it, but why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You don't have any prior work papers to leverage. You're constantly learning. Every deal is different. So, whereas an audit, you know, if you're on the same client quarter after quarter, year end after year end, the 
your work is pretty much the same unless there's a huge acquisition or change in the company, which is pretty rare. Got it. So it's a little more, you'd say audit, it's a little more monotonous than TAS. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. That's an understatement. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, anything else you want to share to the listeners or any advice you would give to your younger self kind of before we call it? I mean, to the listeners, I would just say constantly work to build your network. I would reach out to anyone you know if you're trying to make a transition that, that'd be any industry. Mm-hmm. You never know who can really help you make that transition you're looking for. That's great. Well, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time. Thank you.